0: Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly
1: Guyman And I'm Shaylin Back. We're your co-hosts. In the April 2022 General Conference, a new Relief Society General Presidency was announced, and President Camille Johnson, Sister Annette Dennis, and Sister Kristen Yee will begin their service on August 1st, 2022. We have had President Johnson and Sister on the podcast before, and we'll be sure to link to their episodes in the show notes, along with the bios of each member of the new presidency, so we can continue to learn more about and get to know these incredible sisters.
0: And today we have kind of a fun, different format to get to know the members of this new presidency and also hear from the sisters of the outgoing Relief Society presidency, whose service concludes in August. So we've paired each new member of the presidency with their counterpart in the outgoing presidency, and they'll all be sharing thoughts on the theme of unity in our wards and branches, in our global church community, and also growing in unity with our Heavenly Father.
1: I'll start the conversation with Relief Society Presidents Bingham and Johnson, and then Carly will talk with first counselors, Sister Eubank and Sister Dennis. To finish up, I'll talk with second counselors, Sister Alberto and Sister Yee. We're excited to hear what our leaders will share on this topic. I'm here with President Bingham and President Johnson. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm looking forward to talking with you about the unity that can exist in our wards and branches as we interact with one another in our various callings and in ministering. But let's start out by talking about what I think is such a neat connection between the two of you. Something you have in common is experience serving in the primary general presidency. President Johnson has been serving as the primary general president since April, 2021. And President Bingham, you served as a counselor to President Joy Jones in the primary general presidency before your call as Relief Society president in April of 2017. What did you both learn from the service focused on helping children fill God's love and develop a strong doctrinal foundation in the gospel of Jesus Christ?
3: From my perspective, Primary was a perfect preparation for Relief Society. Primary helps a person focus on the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think helping women to feel God's love and strengthen their foundation on Jesus Christ is just as relevant as working to do that for children. I think anyone who's worked in Primary for a time develops what we call a primary heart. We're sensitive to and we notice the needs of others, and particularly those needs which may not be spoken or obvious because children don't often articulate what they're thinking and they're feeling. When we watch a child's behavior, we listen to their comments, it helps us understand what they need. And then we can work together as leaders and parents to help children feel God's love and increase their understanding of the gospel. We do the same thing with our sisters in Relief Society. That was great preparation for this new calling, I think.
2: In primary this last year, we've spent a lot of time as a presidency really pondering and thinking about how we can bless the lives of the children. And in keeping with prophetic counsel, we're working towards helping children better understand the opportunity they have to get on the covenant path. All of those basic principles, how we get on and stay on the covenant path, have equal application to the sisters in the church. I hope that As I've thought about how to communicate those simple principles in a simple way to primary children, I better understand how to communicate that to our adult sisters in Relief Society. We've spent a great deal of time thinking and teaching our children how to recognize the Holy Ghost and how the manifestations of the Holy Ghost don't always come to us in the same way each time, and that it may be different for me than it is for you. I hope our sisters understand that basic principle. And I think that the thought and consideration and prayerful pondering that I personally have done over the last year on that subject, I hope will inform the things that I teach to the sisters that the Holy Ghost is available as our constant companion and will guide us and direct us and will testify to us of truths. One other facet
3: of preparation for Relief Society that came from serving in primary was recognizing that all the mothers of the primary children are members of Relief Society. There needs to be a real connection there between these two organizations to bless the lives of the children as well as the growth of their mothers. That was something I really honestly hadn't thought a lot about before that but you cannot message to the children very well except in that 20 minutes and they're in the classroom or in the singing time but you can message to their mothers and to help strengthen their testimonies at home and that's really where that connection needs to be made.
1: As obvious as that sounds, I have never thought of that connection either, that the primary children have mothers and that that is all connected. And I think that's probably
2: one of the reasons that I reached out to Sister Bingham right from the beginning. We've worked, thank you, so beautifully together. When I first came on as the primary general president, I saw that there were some international assignments for the year, and it was my responsibility with my presidency to delegate that responsibility. And so I, now I know the reason why, the time I didn't really understand the reason why. I felt very strongly that I should assign myself to be with Sister Bingham. And so there was a trip to Asia and a trip to Africa South, And we were so looking forward to those, and neither of them happened, but we did serve and teach together virtually to those areas. That proved to be a very sweet experience for me to learn from President Bingham. And then this opportunity came for us to go to Nauvoo together, and that really was, I think, my first assignment to travel was with Sister Bingham of all places to Nauvoo where really society was organized.
3: That was a sweet experience for me. As Sister Johnson has mentioned, there was an unusual connection. And we both felt very comfortable being there in the place where the origin of Relief Society came together. When I watched Sister Johnson do the leadership instruction, I was taking notes. (laughs) The way she ministered to others, the way she used stories, the way she shared her testimony of the gospel in ways that were understandable to everyone who came, it was remarkable. I felt very blessed to have that opportunity to learn from her. And I wish we had more time to do it together. Yes.
2: Of course, I see it the other way. (laughs) I was taking notes as I listened to President Bingham teach and instruct and love and minister to the people there. But it really was a sweet and tender opportunity. And I'm so thankful that those opportunities were given to us in this year that we've had together.
3: It's been a joyful year for me to get to know Sister Johnson you will find that her heart is as big as all outdoors and as tender, but yet she's very articulate and she's organized and she's able to see what is important and focus on the important, not get lost in the periphery. And That's one of the things I've learned about Sister Johnson.
1: There are going to be some really valuable lessons that both of you have gained from serving with the primary that now have been taken to Relief Society. And I'm just really looking forward to that continuing that we've had that from Sister Bingham and that now we get that from Sister Johnson. So thank you two for sharing that. Sisters, you had an opportunity to travel together last fall to Nauvoo, Illinois, where you gave instruction to members and missionaries and toured historic sites. And I think that's so fun that we have this other connection between the two of you as well. Looking back, that was a really unique opportunity to just be together and learn from one another now, knowing that both of you have this common calling. In Nauvoo, you spoke about the foundational work of ministering in the gospel of Jesus Christ that it is the underpinning of all we do in any calling in the church, whether in primary or Relief Society or elsewhere. So we would just love for you to talk about why is ministering foundational to our efforts as disciples of Jesus Christ?
2: I think it's so ministering is the way we address the needs of the one. And we do lots of things on a congregational level and we do lots of things on an area or church wide level. But the Savior taught us by his perfect example that we minister to the one. Primary children are ministered to by their primary teachers and leaders have a responsibility to minister. And then, of course, the system that's been established for ministering through our Relief Society sisters and our elders quorum brethren, with the help of our young women and young men, is a beautiful way to touch and identify and address the needs of the one.
3: You know, ministering is also key to building unity. When we work together, when we understand one another's challenges, when we help one another, support one another, that happens through ministering we learn those needs that also strengthens testimonies and helps us to accomplish the work of the lord in gathering israel we can't do it alone and so ministering is that true key i think when we when we learn to care enough about each other to minister without limiting our efforts to those to whom we're assigned we'll have a significant impact on individuals as sister johnson said on the one as well as on the church ministering truly is the key
2: It's the answer, to be quite candid with you, to almost every question that we're addressing. We say, how can we best deal with this issue? Well, where's the ministering brother? Where's the ministering sister? Where's the ministering teacher? And it's in ministering that we best address the needs of our members and our communities, to be honest. Our ministering extends to our communities.
3: Since ministering truly comes from the Savior, showing His kind of love, following His example, That's why it's so effective. Whenever we follow the Savior's example, we are gonna be successful in doing His work.
1: Sister Bingham, you touched on this briefly, but how does ministering contribute to unity, specifically in Relief Society, too? We know that extends to, of course, our families and our communities, but how does that build unity in Relief Society?
3: Let me give you a little example. I visited a ward that had had a very tragic situation happen. A couple of young people lost their lives. And it might have separated the ward because of the circumstances around those deaths. And yet, as the Relief Society members reached out to one another to minister to one another, to say, we are in this together. Whatever your challenge is, I am there for you. It was remarkable to see the outpouring of love. And it created a unity, this ministering, rather than a separation.
1: Beautiful. Yes. Thank you. President Johnson, you recently said you've always felt at home in Relief Society. You said we are all sisters with a shared experience in our desire to return to our heavenly home but with diverse experiences that we can draw upon to help one another. And you previously shared on the podcast with us and on social media, your experience as an attorney and working mom, and you encouraged us as women to seek and receive revelation for our own lives and not fall into Satan's trap of comparison and judgment. And President Bingham, you shared on the podcast, your struggle with infertility and your unique parenting journey, including your experience fostering children and welcoming them into your heart and family. And of course, we'll link to both of those episodes in the show notes. So we'd love to hear from both of you, how can diverse women with varying backgrounds and life experiences come together in unity in Relief Society to create a spiritual home and a place to help one another and grow closer to Jesus Christ?
2: I think that we're in a position to be disciples of Jesus Christ and recognize and address the needs of others when we first understand that we are children of a loving Heavenly Father President Nelson just talked about this in the devotional for young adults. He said, as he described his own identity, he'd put first that he was a child of Heavenly Father, second, a child of the covenant, and then he said, then I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think the sequence of those three is important. In order to have the confidence, I think, and the capacity to look outward, to minister, to address the needs of others, we first have to have that primary understanding of our divine nature, our divine role, and the blessings and promises that are ours if we keep the covenants that we've made. That's a roundabout way of getting back to your original question about unity. I think if our Relief Society sisters draw upon the experiences of one another, recognize their unique and individual nature, different from others that happen to be in a congregation of Relief Society sisters, But if they understand their divine nature, then they'll be in a position to look outward and help one another stay on the covenant path or get on it if it's necessary so that all of us return home together. It's home. There's something about that word. We want to go home, right? But it's not home unless the people you love are with you. So that's our objective, to help one another get home to our heavenly home with our heavenly Father and the Savior Jesus Christ who makes that possible. We wouldn't want to do it without the people we love. I think there's lots of pieces to it, but it really isn't that complicated. It's pretty simple. We understand our divine nature. We recognize the covenants, responsibility, obligation, and blessings and opportunities that are ours. And then we can look outward and get everyone on the path with us home. That divine nature is something that
3: we all share but it's expressed in different ways, which I love. Unity does not mean that everyone is the same. Variety is actually necessary, you know, to make the world go around as expression goes. You think you need teachers, you need scientists, you need medical care providers, you need artists. Those are all diverse ways of expressing that divine nature, as you were saying, but what brings us together is those shared experiences. You think about experiences that you've had that were probably the really challenging ones, and those things create bonds that you never forget. Mm -hmm. You've gone through a really horrendous experience and this is something that you latch onto that person. You feel connected for the rest of your life. If you think about that as sisters, how does that develop unity among the group? We all have difficult experiences. And and even if we had just a little bit of of a difficult experience, you can sympathize, if not empathize, with others who've had something very similar. So if we do that as sisters, we should do that as sisters. We can do that as sisters. We will create this unity that says we can all be very different, but we're going to the same place. We're wanting to go home to our Heavenly Father. And we help each other do that by supporting, by loving, by appreciating differences.
1: And when we understand what our divine nature is and the sisters around us, what their divine nature is, I feel like that comes easy to love and to recognize everyone's value.
3: It's so important to remember that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That we're all children of God that we all have that divine nature and that he wants all of us home. And what a joy it would be if everyone we know were there at the end.
1: Well, President Johnson and President Bingham, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. It's been so neat to be here with both of you and Sister Bingham, especially as you're coming up on the end of your service. And Sister Johnson, as you're about to start your service as the General Relief Society president, we're really excited to continue learning from you. So thank you both for sharing your thoughts today. Thank you. Thank you.
3: I am just so thrilled that President Johnson will be Relief Society General President. She's a remarkable woman of incredible talent and capacity and ability. I have a testimony that she has been called by the Lord through President Nelson, our prophet of today.
0: This is Carly, and I'm here with Sister Annette Dennis and Sister Sharon Ubank. Sisters, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So Sister Dennis, we are so excited. We've we've met and talked with all of the other sisters and we are so thrilled to get to meet you and get to know you a little bit and for our listeners to get to know you. You have a special connection to the Latino community. You studied Spanish at BYU. Your husband, Jorge Dennis, was born and raised in Mexico and you and Brother Dennis served in Ecuador as mission and temple leaders. What have you learned throughout these experiences about unity through the gospel of Jesus Christ from our brothers and sisters in Ecuador and throughout the Hispanic and Latino community?
4: I've learned quite a lot about unity from our Hispanic brothers and sisters. Several months after my husband and I were married, we moved to Hermosillo, Mexico, where he's from. And for a time, our ward met in a house of prayer, as it was called, because we didn't yet have a chapel. Being in that ward was a wonderful experience for me. The sisters in the ward were very loving and very kind to me, even though I was a foreigner and I spoke very little Spanish at the time. It's similar to what many immigrants experience when they come here. And I hope that they all have the same positive experience and relief society that I had, because Jesus Christ and his gospel should be what unites us. Hispanics are very family and community oriented. They are such kind and caring people and I love attending Spanish wards because of the acceptance and love I felt there. Now that's not to say there aren't problems at times, just as there are in families or in any other ward, but there's a great deal of community and connection and lots of activities the members come from many different countries and traditions people here think that all spanish speakers must have the same culture because they speak the same language but that's not true when my husband was bishop of a spanish ward in the salt lake state many years ago there were 18 different countries represented and because the members come from so many different countries there are many different traditions and they might have differing views about many things but their love and devotion to jesus christ and his gospel or what unite us. And I found the same thing when we were serving in Ecuador. We had the opportunity to visit people in their homes as well as visit many wards and speak in many state conferences. And it was so fun because it gave us the chance to meet many wonderful saints. Now, my husband would tell the members when he spoke in state conference, Ustedes son nuestra gente y nosotros somos su gente. You are our people and we are your people. Those members were always so kind and and accepting and so willing to share and serve others. They were a great blessing to us and our missionaries. And again, the thing that united us all was the gospel and Jesus Christ.
5: It's been so fun to hear you talk about the beginnings of that and what it's like to live in a different country when you don't know the language. And I often hear people talk about why do we need the church? If I just feel spiritual in my heart, you know, why do I need the church? But the things that you talked about, the structure of the church that is the same, the curriculum on Sundays, the fact that we're organized into Relief Society and Elders Quorum, that structure gives us some unity because it was the same in Hermosillo, wherever you grew up and, and, and I just wonder, what did you learn from the sisters there that you wouldn't have learned in a different place?
4: Well, I learned that there are many different ways to live the gospel and be on the covenant path. And that may look different for different people. And those sisters were just so warm and loving. I think that was the key. I think the key was is that they just included everyone. And it didn't matter where you were from. They just embraced everyone. And it was, it was a beautiful experience and has been as I've traveled around the world and met different people in different places. It has just been so unifying. It's almost like coming home every time you're in a different country and you attend a ward. It's like you're a part of something already.
5: I, I think your example is, is great because it talks about the consistency that unifies it and the variety that unifies us and you experience both.
0: I love hearing about that unity in diversity. That's a good reminder that someone might speak the same language, but they come from a completely different background and culture. And it is amazing, and I'm appreciative of this example of the unity that they had in diversity, so thank you. I love hearing too that you do have that perspective of being kind of the stranger in a different place, and I'm sure how beneficial that has been throughout your life to feel that compassion and empathy for people who may feel the same way. Sister Dennis and Sister Eubank, the Relief Society, as we all know, is a global organization where all women, regardless of race, ethnicity, age, or background are welcome, valued, and needed. And our prophet, President Nelson, has recently and repeatedly invited us to build bridges of cooperation and inclusion rather than walls of segregation. And we'd love to hear from you both. What are some ways that we can do that in Relief Society? Build bridges with those who are different from us.
5: I've talked about this before, but I recently got a photo in my office, and it was of a Stake Relief Society president, and she's wearing a just serve shirt. And she's standing next to a man who's wearing a traditional Muslim hat, and he's wearing a just serve shirt. And then she's standing next to an Episcopal bishop who's wearing a just serve shirt, and they sort of had their arms around each other, and they had come together, those three congregations, so the mosque, her stake, and the Episcopal diocese to do some cleanup in their community. But I loved the image of what that looked like. So here's the Stake Relief Society president who said, you know what, in our stake, there are these other people of faith and we ought to get to know them. So she reached out to the bishop and to the head of the mosque, to the imam, And they had a really strong experience. And to me, that is the heart and soul of what we can do as members of the church to build these bridges of unity to people who love God. Their doctrine might be different than ours, but they love God and they want to do things with each other. And I think they're looking for a way to interact with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They just don't know how. And so I really appreciated that Relief Society president said, I'll build the first plank of that bridge and see what happens. I think that's a great example. I love that example because as a Relief Society leader,
0: as a woman in Relief Society, we can feel empowered to reach out and look outside even our own congregations and communities to people, like you said, who have similar values and similar
4: beliefs to serve and love God. My husband and I have had the opportunity the last year and a half to serve on the Davis County Communications Council and we have attended a Pentecostal Hispanic congregation and a Christian Hispanic congregation. We do that a couple of times each month. It has been amazing, just like Sharon talked about. We have felt love from them, but it's because of Christ. They are so good at praising the Lord. When we came in, they were a little bit, uh, you know, who (laughs) is this? Mm -hmm. But when they knew that we had the same love of Christ and that we wanted to be there, we wanted to know about them and be able to support and help them in any way that we could, we became such friends with all of them. The first set of pastors that we had met at the Pentecostal congregation, just after a few months, they said, you know, we feel like we've known you forever. And it was just the most sweet experience. And they moved after, after a while and, and another couple came in, but it has been such a blessing. But there again, what unites us and what should unite us is the Savior. And that's how we can build bridges as well. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that really unique experience. Any
0: thoughts on even when we sit in Relief Society and look around and see people different from us, how we can build bridges with them even though we share the same faith, we're sitting maybe in the same
4: room? I believe one of the most valuable ways to build those bridges is to listen to each other's stories. We resist and fear what we don't understand. And understand comes from really getting to know someone, especially those who are different. We all tend to make assumptions about people we don't know, and often those assumptions can be very faulty. But if we really get to know each other, we would find we're more alike than we think, despite any differences we may have. Ministering in the Savior's way can help us do this. Ministering, to me, isn't like a checklist approach. Ministering is about relationships and it should be a two-way street the sisters we minister to shouldn't feel like we're just calling or visiting them just to check off a box we should listen to their stories and then be willing to share our own stories with them as well that's the way we come to love each other because we come to truly know each other we become real sisters in christ so i have a
5: perfect example of this because your nieces are in my ward, mm-hmm. and one of your nieces has been assigned to be my minister. So we minister what together. A connection. I know, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And I, I only knew the niece. I didn't know Sister Dennis before. So Kendra and I minister together, and Kendra and her sister were born conjoined, and then they were separated, so they each have one leg. And so... I thought, well, I'll teach Kendra all about ministering, and we'll do all this, and her first experiences will be what she learned from Sharon. (laughs) We go to visit our sister for the first time. We're just meeting her for the first time. And she's a pharmaceutical rep and Kendra knows all about the surgeons and the background and I ended up sitting on the couch while the two of them talked. (laughs) And it was such a great thing because Kendra as a 15 year old really knew how to extend that relationship. She took something they had in common and I sat there on the couch and just realized she's a better minister than I am. (laughs) But it was so fun to see that. We think ministering is so hard. It just comes down to finding out about each other and finding ways to help each other. People always say, well, what counts? What do we do? Does this count? Can it be a text? None of that stuff matters. It's just the ability to build a relationship and then help them when they need help. And Kendra taught me that. So I appreciate your influence in your family. (laughs) Very
6: well
4: done. (laughs) I don't know that I influence that much. (laughs) She is an amazing young woman, both of them
0: are. Yeah, I love that. I love what you shared, Sister Dennis, about withholding assumptions. And what I think is interesting is this is our first time meeting you. When we read your bio, it says you were born in Provo, you went to BYU. We could make assumptions about what your life has been like. And as we've talked with you and gotten to know you more, we learn you've had this wide-ranging experience with your family and living in another country, several different countries. And I think that is true of almost everyone that we meet. We really don't know them. When we withhold assumptions and when we listen, and get to know them, we'll find connections, we'll find gifts and talents and abilities that are needed and that we can connect with. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Sister Eubank, your service in the Relief Society the past five years has been during a time of both great struggle as we have endured a difficult global pandemic and many other conflicts and disasters, and yet also a time of great excitement and forward momentum, I think, as the church continues to grow and spread throughout the earth. For both of you, how can developing unity in our church communities, in our broader communities, bring us strength and hope as we press through
5: these challenges? You know, the pandemic was an interesting opportunity because its very nature isolated us. We're isolated at home. Everything's shut down. We were afraid. There was a lot of fear and there was a lot of misinformation. And so you get that current start beating through and you can feel the stress sometimes in church and among our relationships but I really love what the prophet did at General Conference. His whole work was, let's focus on gratitude, let's focus on the temples that are coming, and let's focus on how we can be kind and let God prevail in our lives. And I thought, if I were the prophet, what would I have done to sort of manage that global fear? And I really appreciated what he did because those have been helpful in my life to have gratitude, to let God prevail in my life, and to think about how I can minister and serve other people in a different way than I was doing it before, because what I was doing before isn't possible. He said, you're smart people, try and be creative and overcome these things, and the energy of the prophet really helped me look at things in a different way over this time of stress, and try to be more unified and try and connect with people. When it got hard, it gave us the chance to do something new.
4: Well, this is a question that's very dear to my heart, and it's something I've tried to teach my own children and grandchildren. I love the example of redwood trees. Redwood trees don't have deep roots. Their roots are really quite shallow. And if a single redwood tree is standing alone and a strong wind blows, it can knock that tree down because a redwood is so tall and its roots are so shallow. However, redwood trees in a redwood forest interweave their roots together. Their roots are still shallow, but because their roots are intertwined with each other, they become very strong, and it's much harder for the wind to knock them down. This is an example of the strength that unity brings, and there are currently so many challenges that we face, and there are going to be greater challenges to come if we as relief society sisters can truly come to know and understand each other and form true sisterhoods we will essentially be linking arms with each other as those great redwoods do with their roots and we'll be able to face the challenges to come with much more strength and hope because we won't be alone And as we make covenants with the Savior, our roots are intertwined with His as well. There is great strength and unity. And I believe that's why the adversary is trying to divide us. It's the military strategy of divide and conquer. We've heard of that. We need to unify together as sisters in Christ and as daughters of our heavenly Father and let all the other labels fall away so we can strengthen our homes and families and our wards and branches and not be blown away by the winds that surely are going to come. I really like that
5: image of the roots growing together because about a month ago, we all met. Once a year, we get together with people who have served in former presidencies. So from all the way back to Elaine Jack, who served in 1990, it was such a privilege for me to sit next to her. She was a real hero of mine when I was a young woman. And to feel those roots from all of those presidencies, people who have served a long, long time, weaving together. And it's how we feel about you and Sister Johnson and Sister Yee that we're all behind you. Our roots are woven into yours and we're really rooting and praying for you. That was a terrible pun. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we We really are praying for you that you will have the success. And I hope that we all have that same experience in our personal lives with the other trees around us to put our roots together so that we all stand. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a great example.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's a wonderful image in a time when, like you said, Sister Eubank, isolation is frequent and sometimes encouraged and sometimes required and combating that with the thought, how can I become more interconnected with my family, with my community, because that is where strength will come from to be able to make it through this and other challenges. It's a perfect thought.
5: We've talked a lot about what women can do, but I think another innovation that happened from President Nelson was this idea that the elders quorum and the Relief Society are really responsible, and that only works in a ward if they can be interdependent, because you're not going to fight who's in charge. Are the women in charge or the men in charge? It's going to have to be the interdependence of them working together, and we're very different, and we looked at things very differently. But I really like that opportunity for the entire quorum and the entire Relief Society to tackle things in a unified kind of a way. I don't know that we've ever had the foundation to be able to do that. I think it's been in our doctrine, but we haven't practiced it as well as this chance that President Nelson gave us when he restructured the way wards work.
7: Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's a great thought. All three of you, Sister Roberta, you and President Bingham have all spoken on unity and that interdependence that President Bingham talked about. It's like it's always been there, and yet it's a great opportunity now that it's really in
1: place to act on. This is Shaylin and I'm here with Sister Alberto and Sister Yi, thank you two for being here today.
7: Oh, we're happy to be here, thanks for having us again.
1: Throughout our conversation for this episode, we focused on developing unity with our fellow sisters and brothers in our own wards and branches and across the globe, but the Lord also wants us to feel unified with him. We've talked with both of you on the podcast previously, and of course, we'll link to those episodes so that our listeners can get to know you better. And we've talked to you about your unique life experiences and challenges. Sister Alberto is a single mom and new convert, and Sister Yi is a professional artist and producer trusting in God's will for your career and your life path. Can you both just share with listeners why you have chosen to draw close to the Lord in your life and how you have felt unified with him?
6: I feel that um, more than choosing to draw closer to the Lord has been a necessity for me because I feel that I cannot do it without Him. Specifically, this calling, I feel that at some point it's overwhelming to think about all the things that you need to do, all the people that you need to meet with, and the messages that you need to bring, and you realize that you cannot do it without Him. For me, it has been a journey of just trusting in Him, in relying on him and knowing that he will help me, regardless of my weaknesses and my shortcomings. And even though I may feel inadequate, that he will fill those gaps that I cannot fill. That he is really doing his work through me. And that if I just are ready to receive that help, that I can be guided in every step of the way. And it has been beautiful to just experience that in the last five years. To just feel that tangible. <laughs> help that I'm getting from heaven in a way that I could not do by myself.
7: I'm going to be echoing Reyna for a long time in this particular calling, but I would maybe just add, I've witnessed his miracles in my life. I've seen what he's done in my family and for me and how he's healed us through the atonement. And because of that, I trust Him with all my heart. And like Ryan has said in this particular call, I think it is all about trust. And the fruits of trusting our Heavenly Father in our lives have been really sweet. I have just had a chance to give gratitude and rejoice at His goodness to me throughout my life. And those paths that He leads us on aren't easy. If He's with me in that path, then I know it's going to bless me and those that are with me. And so for that, I'm grateful for the chance to choose Him. I'm so grateful we have a chance to choose our savior. That's the beautiful part of all this is that we have a choice in this and then when we choose him, it's a changing of our hearts and it's coming to him in that way and I'm grateful for that.
1: Well, Sister Yi, how you're saying we get to choose to be unified with Heavenly Father, and when we do that it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But going along with what Sister Berto says, it's got to be kind of relieving to be unified with Heavenly Father, because we can let go of some things and just know that somebody cares about the decisions that we're making and cares about our success, and so that's such a great feeling when we choose to be unified with Heavenly Father.
7: it's so true. There's a relief to that. It's like, this is in your hands thankfully, and not mine. Right, Sister Berto? This is his will, and all of us are here to hear that and to operate under that. It's a great relief to know that.
6: Yes, knowing that it's his work and that he is in charge. It's such a relief. Yeah. (laughs) I have experienced that over and over and over, just knowing that he is in charge and that things will work out in the end. We just have to keep trusting. That's our part, I think.
1: Well, we live in a difficult time in the world, and there are many women who are suffering from feelings of isolation, division, and loneliness. We would just love to hear from you two how you think seeking unity with God can help us feel comfort and even joy. And if you have had any of these times when you've sought this unity after maybe feeling distance from God or being alone, how can seeking this unity help us feel comfort and maybe even joy?
7: The thought that came to mind when you said that is that when we're anchored in somebody who knows us perfectly, we're anchored in someone who understands everything about us, who knows who we will become, there's a sense of security, there's a sense of peace, there's a sense of comfort, or it's not even a sense, it's a reality of comfort, it's a reality of peace that enters our lives. We understand his character, we understand all of his works in perspective, and we understand that there's love infused into all of his commandments and everything he asks us to do. When we unite with Him, we receive that perspective about who we are and what we'll become, understand His love for us. And that provides, at least for me, a great sense of joy and comfort and a security that can't come from anywhere else. Because God's love is so powerful in that way.
6: I feel that we all have those times in our life when we probably have some struggles and we may feel alone. I think that even the Savior felt that way when he was on the cross, and Joseph Smith felt alone without that help from heaven. But as we learn in the scriptures, the reality is that our Heavenly Father is always there for us, and that we just have to keep trying to reach out to him and to feel of his love. And I think that one of the ways in which he shows us how much he loves us is through other people. That unity that we need to have with him, we also need to look for that unity with other people. And then we'll be able to feel His love through others. And I think that that's why we also need to keep reaching out to people and ministering to them because we may be the means for them to feel the love of God in their heart and just be able to feel that spirit again in their heart. And that's why we need to keep praying and trying to help others, to minister to others so we can be those means.
7: You just made me think of something, Sister Berto. but it's true when we're often feeling isolated and alone, but if we extend ourselves in that love, it often comes back right to us. And then we're able to feel the Savior's love a little easier. So it's almost what you give, what you feel like you don't have, and then it becomes a reality in your life. I often find that with a lot of things. If you give, what you feel like you lack, that it comes back to you and blesses you in a way. Sometimes you don't feel things. Sometimes you do feel distance. I'm just trying to think of my own personal experience. What do I do when I don't feel connected? You know, I wait. And I keep going, the thought that came to mind was a quote from, I think, uh, President Faust, who was quoting President Young. And he said, once when President Brigham Young was asked why we are sometimes left alone and often sad, his response was that man has to learn to act as an independent being to see what he will do and try his independency to be righteous in the dark. And that becomes easier to do when we see the gospel glow radiating from illuminated individuals. But I loved that phrase, to be righteous in the dark, because sometimes we can't see and we can't sometimes feel everything we want to feel. But if we continue forward, then we'll be righteous in the dark. We will still be blessed in that way. And like Sister Alberto has said, he's still there. It might be quiet, he's still there. He's ever present. Sometimes we have to wait upon the Lord to feel again and to feel that connection. But it will come. He's promised that. We'll never be left alone.
1: Thank you for sharing that. As you're talking, I'm seeing I have a couple different roles. I feel like there's a role when, for whatever reason, people are feeling isolated or alone. Maybe it's because of the pandemic or other world circumstances, or maybe it's because of previous choices we can find ourselves isolated and alone. And so on one hand, we can choose to unify with Heavenly Father, and that's a way to not feel so alone. And then also, we need to reach out to others who might be feeling that way too. We don't necessarily know how people are feeling unless they share it with us. We need to reach out to others as they're reaching out to feel that connection and unity as well.
7: It's so true. If we all just feel alone and nobody extends to each other, we're left unto ourselves. You're absolutely right. That's why I think the beautiful part about Relief Society is when we come together, we have the opportunity to share who we are and share what we're going through. And it's so important that we do. Otherwise, we feel like we are alone. We don't realize that, hey, oh, Sister So-and-So also has challenges, or maybe she has felt sad, or this is how she feels of the Savior's love. And when we share those experiences with each other, all of a sudden we realize we're more the same than not. We're actually very similar. Thank you for pointing that. It's so important we share who we are and what we're experiencing so that we can feel connected and belonging.
1: Well, Sister Yi and Sister Berto, it's so fun to have both of you here together. Sister Berto, as you're preparing to be released from your calling, and Sister Yi, as you're preparing to serve, we would love to hear from you. What feelings and experiences have you had to assure you that this calling to serve in the Relief Society is from the Lord?
6: Well, for me, it has come in different ways and at different times, that assurance that it really comes from the Lord. I have had experiences that I may be sitting in a meeting with apostles and many leaders of the church, and all of a sudden I have this thought, something that I feel that I need to say, (laughs) and sometimes it may sound like a crazy idea or thought, but I just have this prompting and this urge that I need to share something. If I'm brave enough, then I say it, and it happens that somehow it helped with the conversation that we were having, and it kind of expanded our mind and our thoughts. I feel that, for me, that shows that when we are set apart for a calling, we receive priesthood authority. And in fact, if we looked at chapter 3 of the General Handbook, where it talks about priesthood principles, it says in there that all church members can exercise delegated authority as they are set apart or assigned to assist in accomplishing God's work. So we receive this authority as we are set apart. It's the same for me or for any other calling that we receive in the church. And it's important, I think, for us to remember that. For example, if I'm ministering to a sister and she's going through a hard time, and I have the feeling that I can read some scriptures to her and promise to her that if she turns to the Savior, she will be blessed, then I should speak with authority to her and tell her exactly that, that turning to the Lord and trusting in Him will bring blessings to her. And then we can speak with power and authority that comes from the desire that we have to fulfill the duty that we have been called called to.
7: My words, my thoughts echo Sister Alberto's in the sense that when I will be set apart in August, it is the priesthood authority that will be delegated to me for this calling and in that space to receive revelation and knowledge to do the things that I'll be asked to do and as our presidency will do. Till then, I have witnesses of the Holy Ghost of the call and special tender experiences from my Heavenly Father that just like other times in my life when you know that it's from Him, it's that same feeling with this calling as well. And I've just seen alignment in certain ways. You start seeing the dots connect from other parts of your life, all of a sudden you realize, oh, <laughs> you see that divine alignment, as my friend called it, or the glory of God, she says, of what we're witnessing, of His love and divine ability to connect those dots and show us that He's prepared us and will help us and will guide us. And that doesn't change with this calling. And one person actually said to me, you have been called because of, you've had so much experience. But then the thought came to my mind really quickly. It's not necessarily about my experience, but experience has taught me to be willing. Anything that requires a willingness, I know it comes from the Lord, <laughs> is also something that has taught me. So but as Sister Roberto has said, the priesthood power and authority for this calling that will be delegated to us will come when we are set apart. And I look forward to that in August. This is a little bit different because our transition time, I have been called, but I have not been set apart. And so those things that Sister Roberto is referring to the revelation for this calling and the knowledge that will come and the help and power will come as we are set apart.
6: I would like to add something about Priest to Power also. It's also found on Chapter 3 of the General Handbook. And this part is based on a message given by President Nelson called Spiritual Treasures, which was a message that he gave to the sisters of the church. And he says in here that Priest to Power is the power by which God blesses His children, And it says that God's priesthood power flows to all members of the church, female and male, as they keep the covenants they have made with him. So we receive priesthood power through the covenants that we have made with our Heavenly Father. And through our obedience and our willingness to keep those covenants, we receive priesthood power. And again, this is something that I have experienced throughout my life, and particularly with this calling a few days ago. I was in Mexico and we were doing some ministering visits and we were going to visit a family. This was a very young couple. They had a four-month-old baby and they have recently been notified that the baby has one of those diseases that he's not going to be able to grow into a healthy boy and he'll probably die in a few months. And when they told us this before we went into that home, I didn't know what I was going to say. What can you tell parents that are going through that? I have never experienced that myself, so I didn't know exactly. But it was beautiful to see that as we sat with them, you know, after we gave them a hug and we started talking to them, the words just flew. And we were able to give them some comfort and to help them remember that God is always with them and that they can feel of his love even though they are going through this hard situation right now. I'm just so grateful to know that if I trust, if I just Try to be quiet for a few minutes and just try to listen to those promptings from the Holy Ghost. The words will come when you need to comfort someone. And it has happened also when I have hundreds of sisters in front of me. I kind of prepared a little outline with what I'm going to say, but then all of a sudden I feel that I needed to say something different. And probably that's exactly what the sisters needed to hear. So that power to tell the words that we need to say and to be representatives of the Lord has been very tangible for me is something that I have experienced over and over and over. And I'm grateful for that gift and that trust that I have received from the Lord.
7: You know, the power of the priesthood that comes through our covenants, I had the thought that we covenanted to accept these callings long before they came, right? Well, we all covenanted to do his work, to be disciples of Jesus Christ when we made that covenant. So these calls that come all fold under that covenant we make and that priesthood power that comes strengthens us to be able to allow us to accept it with faith and to strengthen us to continue in the parts where we need help the most, where the words might come or not as we trust in him, as Sister Roberto said. And so that priesthood power is with us as we make our covenants and that allows us to accept the things that we don't fully understand quite yet and to times when things are not as clear, but he always allows us to have strength through him.
1: Well, we're so lucky to be with both of you during this transition time. It's so neat to be able to talk with each of you. Thank you so much for sharing.
0: To our listeners we hope you enjoyed getting to know members of the new relief society general presidency and hearing from our beloved leaders who are completing their service and we hope that you'll share this episode on unity with your fellow sisters friends and family members and if you liked what you heard today please leave us a review we would love to hear from you while we continue to take a break from weekly episodes on the show, we would love to hear your suggestions and ideas for future episodes, interviews, topics. Please share your thoughts with
1: us at podcast at podcast.churchofjesuschrist.org. Finally, we'd like to thank the outgoing and incoming Relief Society presidencies and their wonderful and hardworking staff. Carly and I produced this episode with lots of help from Matthew Mangum and Jennifer Johnson and our executive producer, Brittany Beatty, and the Leahona Magazine. This episode was edited by Publishing Services of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Until next time, I'm Shaylin Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Thanks for listening.